Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek, how are you? Hello, David. Hello, listeners. I'm quite tired as usual. Good, good. I'm pleased to hear that. Um, Buddy the dog is somewhere around. I don't know where he's gone. He's probably off exploring. When he gets hot, he goes in the bath, you said. Yeah, he's weird like that. Um, he doesn't like the bath with water in it, but he he will often lose the dog in the flats and then find he's just in the bath in the dark. Is that weird? <laughs> Sounds like depression. It does, doesn't it? It's perfectly happy like in there. form of depression. In there. I think it's when it's a bit hot. Aren't you supposed to go in the bath as the nuclear bomb comes down as me? Oh, uh, yeah, but I don't think that's going to do much. But you're supposed to fill the bath. I mean, if baths stop the blast of a, a nuclear warhead, if then any... I don't think nuclear warheads would be as useful as, you know... Well, a lot of people there. don't have enough flats, so they don't have baths now. Just a shower, then you're screwed. The only people left behind in the apocalypse are the people who own a bath. Well, I think that's, in many ways, it would be a good way of re uh, <laughs> yeah. some sort of equilibrium in the community. Everyone yeah. who was staying in a travel lodge, dead. Yeah. They have baths and travel lodges. No, showers, aren't they? I hate that when you go into your hotel room and the pricks don't put a bath in there. Yeah. Arseholes. I don't like baths particularly. There's certain, if you've been on a long walk, nothing beats a bath. Mm. Oh, well, we're not here to talk about personal hygiene. (laughs) No, we're not. Before we start, um, I should say that we're sponsored by Her Film Project. What is it? What is it now? um, This is an organisation that helps promote diversity in films. So uh, they started off promoting uh, female voices in films and they have now branched out to do all sorts of underrepresented groups of people. So if you are interested in what they do, or you would like to see if you're interested, go to herfilmproject.com and follow at herfilmproject on Twitter. I like to walk around without wearing any pants and trousers. I like to make a film about it, but no one's going to give me any money. Well, go to herfilmproject.com and they'll say, Marek, what are you doing here? Put, put some clothes on. <laughs> That's the whole point. Of, I put some clothes on and they say, well, you're not diverse enough. Oh, they say, welcome, welcome. You're welcome here with no clothes. As long as you... We will support you as long as you do not wear pants and trousers for the foreseeable... for the whole of the shoot. You're trapped in a vicious cycle now. You could explain your odd behaviour by saying it was to get funding from a film project. Well, you're trying to game the system now. I'm not sure I approve. 
There's a real noisy dog fight going on. It's horrible. This is my life. Grim, isn't it? Get with it. Uh, shoot them. There's so many. It would obviously be me. Like there you would can be see why dead they're... dog, dead dog, buddy, dead dog, dead dog. You can see why people kill dogs in films now. Yeah, really, you can. Oh, let's go on with a film podcast. All right. Marek has seen a film, another very contemporary film, I might say. Well, this is this is. I mean, it's it is actually changing now. Where yeah, this is you having films. You probably have this that are being released on Netflix and streaming channels before the cinema and they're big it's a £50 million film and I think it's because people just it's not worth risking a cinema release for a particular kind of film well Netflix paid for this Netflix actually funded it did they um, as well it's not one because they buy films where they, 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 they are a distribution arm we've talked about it before but they, they buy um the rights for exclusive distribution of a film once it is made, but they are getting into production as well. Yeah, so this was uh, this is Okja, which is the film uh, uh, directed and written by Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. And also um, the screenplay, you got John Ronson in to write it with you. Oh, did he? Um, it's made quite a big stir can. It's a story... Big Pig. Yeah, the big super pig. Super pig. It's possibly the first film for uh, vegans, vegetarians, or whatever, all those pricks. <laughs> oh, um, it's because uh, it, it came up on my um, Netflix homepage, as I'm sure it did for most people. Um, and I was like, "Oh, this looks quite interesting." I looked it up, saw you know. I, I saw, I read reviews of it. People at the can saying it was at the cinema, so I always went to go and sit in the cinema. Right. And then there and then it was on Netflix. Was on Netflix. Well, Watching... they snapped it up at Cannes. I mean, they're, they're wily, aren't they, Netflix? No, they, they put, they, this, was, this was basically, they, they, got, they put money into this before it got released. Oh, okay. So it was, uh, I'm reading from Wikipedia, on November 10th, 2015, it was picked up by, they announced that they had the cast, they picked up in November 2015 by Netflix and Plan B Entertainment with 50 million budget. With productions, yeah, before we started filming in late 2016. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is it. This is this is happening. It is happening. Definitely cinema. And um, Paul Dano, your favourite Paul Dano's in it. Well, yeah. So here uh, it's with. Do you think it's sorry? Sorry. Do you think it's the death of cinema? I think it's a definitely a huge thing when you've got big releases just going out on Netflix straight away. That I think cause... it's the changing of cinema. Like we, I, I find it. I I know what we're saying, and I I, I try I try to have a look at how I'm feeling about everything and see if it is just things no, Things are different now and I'm afraid or whether it is getting worse like I think there's a there's a link between uh, cinema should be thriving and everyone should be going to the cinema and I hate the cinema because it's full of everyone because most people are awful and I hate the ones that are loud and on their phones yeah. and blah blah cinema could survive in a smaller form as a specialist thing for people who truly love it and I don't think that would be so bad <laughs> well I think I go to the um, pitch house in Crouch End there's the arsehole dogs next door yeah and Buddy barking back at them lovely I go to the Crouch End pitch house and I, I take that back I think it is deaf cinema I think cinema has changed the seats have got nicer mm-hmm. there's more space it's a nicer experience. It's going more. It's going more, for want of a better word, top end. As in, you you pay a bit more. There's possibly uh, they have a smaller 
demographic, but it is nicer and hopefully higher quality. You know, and, and whereas television has taken over all of the rest of the territory, which includes streaming, of course, these days. But because people's TVs have got bigger, everyone's got a fucking sound bar under their TVs now, so their sound systems are getting better. What you're getting from going to the cinema has has gotten less and less. The territory between the two has gotten smaller and smaller. Well, it's odd how powerful Netflix are becoming. So in a way, you think, oh, I hope they don't become sort of the sole distributor of films because it's, it's not terrifying. good. It's yeah, not yeah. good for it's not good for an industry when there's one company calling all of the shots because they can basically uh, say, well, this is exactly what your labour is worth, and that's that's then damaging to an industry, isn't it? But I have to applaud. This is a really weird film. Okay, and it's great that Netflix put fifty million pounds into this film. It's great, you know. It's a re- so it's a story. Tilda Swinton is one of a pair of twins, and she owns. Uh, she sets up a competition for breeders to grow the biggest super pig. Okay. And they want to find it in ten years' time which one has a super pig, and basically it's a sort of a front for them selling. GM pigs. So they they want an enormous pig so that they can get a lot of meat. Which has as many cuts of meat on it as possible and tastes really, really nice. Okay. This particular pig, Okja, has been sent to um, uh, the mountains in South Korea where it's made friends with a young girl who lives with her grandfather and they have a lovely time there. It's just them in the mountains. Yeah, big pig. Everything's going well. Who wouldn't want to spend all their lives hanging around with a pig in the mountains? No, I would. I would too. Yeah. But it's all ruined. Have you met a pig? Yeah. They're nice, aren't they? I'm reading Charlotte's Web at the moment. Oh, yeah. Never read it. About a pig. Is that about a pig? Yeah. What was I going to... I went for a walk the other day and I saw a pig as well. What? What? Why was there a pig on your walk? Well, it was in the country. Oh, right. Was it just one pig? No, no, it was, it was, it was with another pig. Hmm. A couple of goats and a pen. Near uh, my uh, home in York, uh, they, there's a farm that does piglet races. And uh, they... Uh, that sounds amazing. They, they, <laughs> they tie little um, like soft toys like uh, Taz or uh, Spongebob onto the backs of the little piglets and then they race around a track and you can uh, you can sort of uh, not gamble but you can sort of pick which one you think is going to win it starts off fun but then you start you know injecting with steroids and stuff like that doing, and you end up with doing thing, yeah doing things so you could uh, racing pigs yeah I think it's for kids I think it's for kids basically. you say that but, but there's money involved <laughs> it's illegal piglet races <laughs> anyway sorry so disaster what happens um, well I don't they, want spoilers. It's the, big, it's the biggest pig, and they decide to take it back to America. Okay. And then there's a. Uh, these aren't really spoilers, and then there's it's, it's, it's all in the first ten minutes in the sort of trailer for it. Uh, and Paul da- uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays a sort of uh, weird farmer, uh, sort of um, who's a guy like Ray Mears type bloke who goes to all the places and sees all these pigs. You know, not Ray Mears. I don't think that is what Ray Mears. No, who's the other one? One of these dickhead animal people who goes around the world. He's one of those. 
Paul Dano and his crew are sort of environmental animal rights campaigners. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, this is the first film where the CGI for the pig is absolutely incredible. Is it? I'm watching the first scene and the pig's in the mountains and it's underneath a tree and it's sort of the light's coming through the tree there's a normal film when the, the actress is there and the pig's giant pig's next to her yeah and um, you can see the dappled light moving on the skin of a curved okay, animal yeah 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 I've got found a screenshot of something like it and you just think how the fuck did they and then it moves away the and answer it's still to that on. question is 50 million pounds but the CGI is incredible on okay. Ultra so well done to the CGI people because they have done they have really worked their computers right really hard yeah risen their computer really oh, got that computer like oh got every last bite got out of it space ball. what is that pressure button pressure button and oh giant pig I mean someone just must be in charge of the shading or the light the light person I often think it's a real shame when these computer geniuses these whiz kids have um, spent all of this time making this giant pig as realistic as possible and then all of the all of their models on their computer will now never get used again it's not like they can just sell a giant pig to someone else to use in their thing they don't do they they don't get used again one film I was going just don't worry about that I'm watching Tintin and then you know the 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 CGI Tintin yes he walks into his room and there's all the light reflected in the glass of the pictures. Mm. And yeah. you think, just don't worry about that, mate. Save yourself. But children. then you would end up making films like um, uh, the Ray Winston uh, Beowulf, where he's incredibly photorealistic and, you know, handsome and oiled and sexy. And the other peasants walking around in the background look like mannequins because Je- they couldn't be asked. Jeans and T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, that's another debate entirely, isn't it? Um, so this... If this film felt... It's all about... A, a it's one hour and 58 minutes long. It felt far too flabby for me. OK. It felt 40 minutes too long. And it felt as though the director hadn't told the actors to rein it in. I thought the lead, the, lead, the Korean girl who plays the lead, Si Hwan An, was very good. Uh, Paul Dano as usual playing slightly with Paul Dano Jake Gyllenhaal plays it's so over the top mm. it's that point where he appears to be enjoying it more than the audience Audience. it's just too much and it makes it really it is boring and ridiculous and quite comic right. it's a bit like we talked about Baby Driver last week but I think this misses it I mean, I didn't find is it in, in quite a um Chinese style though where you know you can their their clown characters in things can often be huge can't well, they well you could say I mean that maybe what it is, is yeah. what it is his Jake Gyllenhaal is literally like a cartoon yeah. character who's moving his arms about and is so big and absolutely mental Tilda Swinton plays two characters and it feels as if she's the director said oh, Tilda Swinton's so good we can't really edit any of her scenes and just let her do whatever she likes. Yeah. And I thought she was too much as well. Just right. thought, do you know what? 
this Tilda Swinton whole bit can be one minute long not eight minutes long oh, I know she can do acting I know she enjoys doing acting but yeah. I don't have to see it you can just do it at home in front of the mirror and put the good bits in the film <laughs> it's too much it annoys me there's too much of just people acting on stage and just watching people sh- so when you watch Bonnie Langford do musicals when you're a kid and you want to think oh really stop showing off <laughs> just do the minimum do the minimum amount needed um, that's your motto in life yes yeah. it's got good reviews some people really loved it and given it five star reviews right. I've seen three star reviews I would give it five Marics okay um, because it's too Which long a two and a half star review yeah and I think towards it sort of builds momentum towards the end it just sort of doesn't know whether it's an action film or a sort of moral film there are too many characters in it too many sort of the whole Tilda Swinton running the business thing doesn't really work I'll be really interested to see what our listeners have to say about it, but I thought um, I was surprised if that 50 million has gone on it and if it had been quite. And the details had to go into the CGI, the work to do all that, mm. yet some of the, the editing and direction and the acting feels quite loose and that he's probably gone, yeah, just do what you like. Right. Whether that's a nationality thing, where it was like a Korean director working with. Eng- I, don't know, I don't know if he's an English speaking director, I don't know, maybe that doesn't. Uh, is it in English? It's in English, and there's bits that are in in Korean as well. Um, I thought it was a, a fascinating film, an interesting film about a subject that feels very modern. You know about what? Well, the meat industry is going to be more and more of an issue, as you know, in environmental factors and the population blooms because it's just unsustainable as it is. Yeah. So yes, this this is probably ahead of the curve, and maybe will be watched again. And people went, "Oh, that was ahead of its time." I think it's very net. It's a real, real sort of zeitgeisty film, and really odd film. I just hoped. I thought it would be more clever and a bit more um, less of high farce in places, mm. without ever really being funny. Does it feel like it's authored? Does it feel like it is its own thing? Or does it feel like it's sort of been constructed in a planning meeting and the disparate elements don't quite come together? I just think it's just doesn't hasn't really fired in all cylinders. Right. It doesn't really, it's a good so idea. So there's some skill in some areas and then less so in others. It's a really hard film to do though. Right. To do a super pig raised in Korea that's been brought to America with animal it's quite a complex plot. I mean I've just I'd just remake Crocodile Dundee with a super pig. That's no. what I'd do. Well, you can't beat Crocodile Dundee. You can't. It's brilliant. I mean, the scene where he's crawling over the uh, all the commuters on the subway would be hard to do with a super pig. He'd just crush them, wouldn't he? Well, yeah. Be hard to do At it. the end, the, the lovely scene. you just use the phone, though, wouldn't you? Mobile phone. These days. Just text someone. I bet the super pig can't, can't maybe, read. Maybe, maybe so actually, that gets rid of the uh, mobile phone's... Uh, destroy cinema thing if it, if all characters are super pigs they can't use phones anyway well why don't you write in oh um yeah <laughs> about what about something okay fine <laughs> here um, we go time for this bit oh right that's what you were doing that's yeah. what you're doing okay I'm bored of myself talking about this oh fine it's time for this Here's a letter from Connor who says, Dear David, Marrick, Buddy and Guest. <laughs> You'd be lucky, Connor. 
Uh, you recently said there were very few good westerns. I would point you towards High Noon. It has 96% on Rotten Tomatoes and is just amazing. The more you know about film, the more you get out of it. First off, it's set in real... Sorry. The more you know about the film, the more you get out of it. First off, it's set in real time. So as you're waiting for High Noon and the doom of the hero to arrive, you feel the tension build just as he does. Second, it was made slap bang in the middle of the McCarthy era, so has allusions to the paranoia and terrified self-interest that abounded at that time. Keep it out. Check it out. <laughs> keep it out? Check it out and keep watching the film. So that's, that's a good new uh... word. Keep it out. <laughs> Keep it out. That sounds sexual. Uh, thank you, Connor. High Noon. Have you seen High Noon? Yeah, this is the old black and white film, which is, I think, I, I reviewed a while back. Yes, uh, it was great. 1952. Yes. It's got uh, Gary Cooper, who was the big star around the time, and the stunning Grace Kelly in it. Oh, and it's got Lloyd Bridges. And Katie Girardo, who's quite the yeah, hot... Uh, yeah. The hot... I reviewed it a while back. It's just a great. It's just you basically just got a countdown to the bad guys coming into town, yeah. And it just gives you it gives you that time, you know. It just gives you a great point to the whole film, yeah. And yeah. all the acting's great. The whole thing's great. It is a very good classic western. Okay, here's a letter from Cullum, Tony Erdman, dear buddy David Amarek. I'm about halfway through watching Tony Erdman. I can't bother to tell you what it's about, but I'm really enjoying it. It's all German. It has subtitles, so Merrick might like it. Have any of you been to Germany? I went to Berlin <laughs> once, but I had an earache, so I didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> Keep watching those films. Callum. And that is a sort of email that, that is I what like. We like. That's what we want, really, guys. Have you ever been to Germany, Merrick? Yes, I have. I've been a couple of times. I went to see an old university friend in a place called Heidelberg. Yes. Which is a fantastic, beautiful um, town. Good. So we did what? Historical old town. Historical old town. So we didn't bomb it. Oh, that's good. Didn't bomb it. And I went to Berlin, which I. We bombed that. We fucked that place. We fucked that place. I think Berlin and New York are probably my two favourite places. Yeah, I've never been to Berlin. Oh, it's brilliant. I'd love to go to Berlin. Um. Uh, my play that was on last week uh, is set in Berlin and I was I was googling it and wandering around the street view to try and get ideas of where things were um I went on a western front trip so I've been I've been on like to the the graveyards of the mass graves of uh, um of both allies and axis forces and then um uh, in all the trenches that are still there and all of that stuff it's all oh, blind. harrowing yeah best thing with in Berlin was we hired bikes and because the drivers aren't arseholes like they are over here, we're just cycling around, just going to, you know, going to the Reichstag, going to Berlin Wall, seeing these amazing buildings. Yeah. Just absolutely incredible. Then you said postcards of what it was like during the Second World War. I can't remember what the place it just bombed to shit. Yeah, and yeah. you see, you put it up, uh, an old postcard of it bombed to shit compared to your view of it now. It's quite a jaw dropping, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, re- I really like um, Germany, and yeah, the sort of Germans sort of just a bit like the British, but just slightly better. <laughs> well, that's certainly been their opinion for uh, for a good well, I think it's many quite, years. I think it's quite justified. <laughs> um, here's a letter from Tom Saunders, another football player. All the football players are writing in, aren't they? They're very chatty people. Uh, Tom Saunders. Uh, 
on the subject of a non-Jack Black, Jack Black film. Intriguing. Oh, we talked about how we found them annoying, didn't we? I think so. He says, Hello friends, just a quick email inspired by the Jack Black conversation in episode 294. If you're interested in seeing a Jack Black film where Jack Black doesn't play Jack Black, I recommend The D-Train, also called Bad Bromance in some countries. It's a dark comedy about a man dissatisfied with his ordinary life who decides that if he can get the coolest guy from school to come to their high school reunion, that he'll be the local hero he wants to be. It's reviewed quite poorly, but I wonder if that's because people are expecting a screwball comedy where Jack Black mugs around, singing rude songs. In fact, it's more of a drama about what can happen to a perfectly ordinary man who takes his frankly lovely life for granted and starts to strive for the ultimate illusion idea of being special. It's well worth a watch, particularly for the pivotal scene out in LA when Jack Black's burgeoning bromance with the high school legend is pushed to its extremes. I'm not sure if I recommend it as such, but I'm glad I watched it and would probably watch it again. If you can find it for free, I'd definitely give it a watch, but I'm not sure it's worth the £6.99 that it seemed to be on most streaming services at the moment. Keep Wing the Fs, Tom. Um, I mean, it sounds like a screwball comedy. Either Bad Bromance or The D-Train. Maybe it's a screwball comedy, but they didn't have any jokes in it, so it comes across as a serious film. Yeah. If I was in a comedy that had no jokes, I'd probably just play it more and more serious. I think I spoke to Tom about... He is doing a podcast as well, but I can't remember what it was, so I said I'd talk about it, but I can't... My memory's so ruined, I can't remember what I said. Oh, so do you think he's written in to try and coax you into talking about his podcast? Sorry, Tom. Tom Saunders is doing a podcast. Look it up. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Uh, any more? Well, do you know what? What? <sighs> we run out. It looks somewhere there's one more. Um, here we go. It's another film about the uh, the film we talked about la- uh, last week, but we got the email before it came. We recorded the thing before the man did the thing. It's this a beautiful email story. Was, this email was I get it. Sent, I get it. sent before we talked about the circle last week, but we're reading it after this. We've published the podcast, so I don't want this person to look like they're stupid. Okay. So this is from Matt Ray, and he says, "Dear Film Fandango, I recently watched The Circle, starring Tom Hanks and Emma Watson." Oh, what? Marek is saying is that's the one we talked about last week although the premise looked good an all seeing tech company that is not all it seems this movie seemed rushed with not enough character development and major plot details skimmed over as soon as the first credits rolled I thought that would make a good book and there it was based on novel written by Dave Eggers so David and Marek have you ever sat through a film thinking I bet the book's so much better catch it on Netflix if you're a Tom Hanks completionist but otherwise pass Five mats. Keep up the good work. Are either of you involved with anything at this year's Fringe? Best Matt Ray. Um, well, The Circle, we talked about it last week. Five seems generous from, from what well, you said. Well, my review is basically just shouting out his shit. Yeah, that was your review. Um, ever sat through a film thinking it's probably a better book? Um, some older so occasionally some sci-fi films yes where you think obviously this is more or a fantasy sort of epic film where you know I normally know there's a book of it already yeah and when you see an hour and a half film I think well that I the book the book is almost 
always better. Well, because it's a different medium, isn't it? Because my imagination is so powerful. It's so vivid. And everyone has always got their tits or dick out. (laughs) That's right. And they just tend not to do that in films. No. Why is that? Well, it's crazy. In my mind... (laughs) I mean, you've got you've got both your your tit and dick out right now. But the problem is, is when they say they're going to get their dicks out mm. in the book, that's when my imagination really is a problem because they've already. You had stop dick. reading and have a good think about it for a while, and, and then no, carry on. I reading. just go give them two dicks. <laughs> so there's a lot of classic novels that are very different when you read them. Well, yeah, because tits and they're all tits and dicks. Yeah. There must be someone who reads books and permanently imagines everyone with a dick out. Yeah, other you. Than, other than me. <laughs> it's you, isn't it? Other than me. <laughs> well, I don't know. Why not write in and share... I mean, we've run out of letters now. Yeah. So, if you... C- Are we what? going to the Edinburgh Fringe was the last question there before we move on. Uh, no. Marek? Uh, let me have a think. Absolutely not. <laughs> I can't think of anything... I would l- less rather do. Yeah, I'll be gigging in London in August, uh, so come come here. Um, have you seen something? I have. I saw a film that I uh, didn't really read much about at the time when it was in the cinema. It's now on streaming services. It's um, a film called Split, and all I knew about it was that it stars James McAvoy and Anya Taylor Joy. And James McAvoy plays a, a guy with split personality disorder because that's I saw in the trailer. Few trailers for exactly, this. and it doesn't give much away. But it seems quite quick between the cinema release and the, the release to. Yeah, it came out last year. Oh, really? Yeah, it came out last year. But it's oh. um, uh, Anya Taylor Joy is the lead in The Witch, which I talked about as well before. She's she's fairly new. But We're looking at a picture of her now. There she is. She oh, she's got quite a distinctive face. She does, doesn't she? Quite a Scandinavian. Yes. Look. Um, but it turns out I was in for a surprise with Split because you were in it. I I, I was in it, Marek. It was just me. <laughs> just it was quite a black screen. It was just me sat on a sofa oh, watching no. for two hours. You have what was a surprise? I, maybe I didn't turn my telly on. Oh, David! The surprise was this film is actually an M Night Shyamalan film. Oh, great. Which I did not know at the time. So when that came up at the beginning, I was like, oh. And how did you okay. feel pleased? Or did you also want to think this is going to be a really massive concept slightly ruined, ruined in one way? I felt I felt both rising dread and slight titillation of, oh, this might be enjoyably shit. <laughs> or can you guess the twist within one minute? I tried and I got it wrong. Is there a twist? Um... That, yes. that the whole that the whole film is based upon. Yes, that is a classic. That, that's his main thing, isn't it? That's his only. Thing. If you don't, <laughs> if you work out the twist, you might as well just you might as well t- just turn off the TV. And so basically, this is um, the uh, James McAvoy plays a character who called uh, well. What's he called? He's got twenty-three personalities living in his head, and they've all got different names. And in England, I am Peter. <laughs> in France, I am John Paul. What's that? Right? That's a reference to a nineteen-eighty television program called The Storyteller, and that was the the theme tune to it. Maybe about um, two people will get a reference. Oh, good. Um, well, he kidnaps three girls basically in a car park. 
And which him? The same him? The same bad him? Or well, you you did spoilers, but you know. Oh, okay. And and he Im- imprisons them in uh, somewhere. We don't know where they are, but in this sort of dingy basement, like all all these guys do, you know. And then they have to they try and work out what the hell's going on, what he wants, because he doesn't seem to. Uh, you know, it's not you just sort of sex thing. It's something else, and they're super freaked out because he keeps coming in as different people. Are they all together, these people? They are at first and then they get separated. But, um, and, but he keeps talking about the beast and uh, all of this stuff. And it's, it's a character piece psychological thriller. It's trying to be a bit Silence of the Lambsy. Is he good, James McAvoy? James McAvoy's always good. But... There's just something in the conceit of watching a well-known actor playing somebody who is playing lots of different people that comes off a bit like you're watching somebody's one-man fringe show. Because you can't help but see the acting. Because mm. it's James McAvoy. Like, if it was an unknown, then we wouldn't know which was the real him. Do you know what I mean? What would you have as your other ones in? What, my other characters? Yeah. Um, well, I'd have... Um, I'd have Clive, the the bookish accountant man. Yeah. And I'd have um, uh, Lulu Bell. Oh, dressing up one. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Dressing up one. Yeah, that's be. just the dressing up mute girl. <laughs> <laughs> She's the scariest. Yeah. Uh, I'd have uh, Krug, the barbarian. Over one. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have Fishy Joe. Oh, I don't want to meet Fishy Joe. <laughs> oh, he's a card. Yeah. Isn't there a nice one? Nice one? Yeah. Fishy Steve. Okay. Fishy Steve's nice. This sounds quite good. You could be in Split too. Yeah, could. But, I mean, I really want to tell you the twist. I really, really want to tell you the twist because you'll be so angry. You'll be so angry. No, because I've got to watch it. You don't. It's not good. (laughs) It's not a good film. Well, what point do you find out the twist? Right at the very end. Right at the end. Once the film's ended, basically. Like, I, to M. Night Shyamalan's credit, I don't know how to pronounce his name, and I feel bad about that, but um, to his credit, he picks his idea, and he sticks to it, and he makes out like it's brilliant. Do you know what I mean? The, the script and the, the direction and the acting and everything is 100% selling his idea. Like, it's not like well we'll sort of do that but we'll just make it like every other film he doesn't do that he makes it his own film and fair play to him for that I think he just happens to have terrible ideas um, it's really weird I quite enjoyed the village one when I saw it it's alright isn't it it's a bit tough but it, uh, if he had just died after the sixth sense yeah yeah he's got his, his cameo in this again where he's got a really ostentatious scene where he's front and centre like he always does like it's like taking the Hitchcock cameo. That's the, I think that's why. But instead of him being somewhere in the background for people to spot, he's yeah. right there at the front. And that is why I think that is why he's laughed at more. Yeah. Because of his sort of big part cameos. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who is he playing in the cameo? This one, a psychologist or something. I yeah, he's like a he's like a CCTV, uh, like uh, I don't know, like master, like finding, searching through all the stuff and helping. Okay. It's you know it's got some interesting ideas to be fair to it, but it's nonsense and it it descends into further further nonsense and then by the twist it's just like oh fuck it out. <laughs> um, I'm gonna tell you. Can I tell you? 
Me to just spoil Yeah, guys, spoilers. seriously, huge spoilers. Although people have probably been talking about it online already because it came out last year. Please do jump ahead by 40 seconds. Well, we're not going to. We're going to just... Okay, you're gone. If you don't want to hear it. All right? I'm going to say it. Turns out this is the origin story of a supervillain, and at the end, Bruce Willis appears as his character from Unbreakable, and this is the second in a trilogy. So it it ends up being I've been watching a superhero film the entire time. What? Yes. So basically, James McAvoy does turn into a super-powered creature at the end. It, oh god! I know. I was so disappointed because <laughs> I is, hated con, Unbreakable. It? That's a con. It's a real con, yeah. Because you're expecting a Silence of the Lambs-style psychological thriller about a damaged murderer, and you get this instead. Ah, oh, so you're making another one. The third one is called Glass. Oh, what a cock! What a cock! Yeah. I really hope they came in on that point of me just showing what a cock. <laughs> How many David would you give it? Oh, it's hard to know because it's sort of sort of enjoyable and there's something there trying to get out and James McAvoy's very watchable and Anya Taylor-Joy's very good in it but I just... It is shit. Uh, six? Five? I don't know. Five. There we go. I was going to say to you, we'd, uh, I watched the start of Jurassic World the other day because it was on Netflix oh, as yeah. well. And is there a point where you know that someone's definitely going to get killed in the film oh in the split no in, 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 in any film in any so Jurassic World is basically everyone knows dinosaurs going to escape yeah 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 and there's a bloke um, who's basically running the, the in charge the guy who was watching the screen you know yeah yeah he's overweight he's got a white hat on <laughs> and he goes he's, e- he's eating a hot dog a, a sandwich unnecessarily eating a sandwich like constantly eating this yeah, sandwich yeah yeah he's sort of quite lazy and shit and literally from the very first movie you're Death, you are one hundred percent gonna get killed yeah. within five minutes. And does he? Yeah, of course he, he does. does. Yeah, in Split, no, because it's not like it's not about that. It is. It it starts as a proper psychological thriller, and it remains so for most of it. And then it has this weird supernatural turn. And oh no, I was just talking. I was talking. I was sort of. I've given up talking about Split. Oh, fine, fine. I was talking about general. Is general there, people dying? I mean, if someone's eating a sandwich in a monster film... Yes. If any, they're definitely going to get killed. If anyone is exhibiting the non-specific Christian-American dream version of who we should be, dead. So, obese, dead. Yeah. Um, but anyone, anyone eating a sandwich in a horror film dies. Yeah, because eating is gross, right? That's Yeah, gross. but they couldn't have made it any more obvious that he was going to die. Yeah. Because he was lazy, because he was eating a sandwich on the job. Yeah, lazy people die. Lazy people die. Rude people die in 80s films. I don't know if rude people still die. Probably. Sandwich eaters die. <laughs> if you ever get a job at a dinosaur park... Don't eat a sandwich. Don't bring... Eat at the cafe for lunch. Don't eat sandwiches on the job. If you go to the toilet, you die. Uh, lots of people die in the toilets. No hero goes to the toilet and then comes out at the end and you say sorry about that I just had to go and then they carry on the film that never happens you only go to the toilet to die so basically what they're doing is they as an unwritten rule they're trying to stop people and become more efficient by encouraging people 
not to eat at their desks and not to go to the toilet. But they're discouraging basic human functions. So if you eat, you die. If you shit, you die. It's an old horror movie trope that if you are slutty and have sex with someone, you die. So sex, food, excretion. Anything in the office that talks... If you're in the office and you go to the toilet or you eat food, you're likely to die. So that's trying to get workers... That's true. ...to stop, to be more productive at work and do their eating and excretion at home and it's in every film it's def- we have just uncovered the biggest conspiracy of, of our the 20th 20th and 21st it, it, a conspiracy that has now spanned two centuries if you drink coffee you're fine so that that goes with your theory as, again it's like if you get tired just have coffee and you'll survive this horror film of your life in an office if you haven't covered any huge brainwashing that underwrites every single film in American culture... Why not write to us? Go to filmfandango.com and fill out the form there. We'd love to hear your rambling conspiracy theories about films. Um, and also, we do all of this for free. So if you'd like to contribute towards our not insignificant running costs, then... Again, go to filmfandango.com and click the donate button. Everyone who has, thank you very much. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Keep Keep watching watching the films. films.